I'm joined next on the uh, programme by uh, Suzanne Rogers, who is a uh, policy analyst with Social Justice Ireland. Suzanne, um, it's all the talk is about, over the last uh, month or so in particular, about the high cost of living. I know Social Justice of Ireland uh, are living uh, with that problem uh, with the less well-off in society uh, all the time over the years, but uh, it's pretty acute at the moment, and you have a number of um, proposals that the government uh, should do to try and alleviate the problem at the moment. That's it, and what we're trying to do is focus on those who are really struggling the most. So you're, you're, you're sort of reaching back as far as you possibly can to bring those who are furthest behind forward. Right. So that, that's the aim of this. So what we're trying to do is look at targeted supports for people who really, really, really need it. Right. And again, it's well documented. It's the fixed income households and the low income households, either on social welfare or in low pay who are really, really, really feeling the pinch now at the moment. Right, we'll just run through some of the proposals that you have. Benchmark social uh, welfare payments to 27.5% of average weekly earnings. Uh, And uh, what would that mean? That would mean that as average weekly earnings go up, that social welfare would be kept in line, so that there's a link between the two. At the moment... Social welfare, I suppose, they look at that, in, you know, in the budget, they'll yeah. add the fiver on, they'll add the fiver on. And I think sometimes that it doesn't really, it's not grounded in what you can actually buy with yes. €208 euro a week. You know, yeah. I mean, I keep going back to that €208 euro a week has to put the roof over your head, the hot shower, the heat on, the light on, the kettle on, the microwave on, the telly on, yeah. charge your phone, your clothes, your haircuts, your shoes, your phone credit. I haven't even looked at food. Like that's, that's a small amount of money that has to go a really, really, really long way. So what you're trying to do is is ground that in people's lived reality. So mm. that as inflation goes up, as wages go up, that social welfare payments would be kept in line as well. So that those who are who are you know at, at the most um, most at risk of of poverty that they're they're not being left further mm. behind. So that there's a link between the two. Uh, introducing refundable tax credits. Yes. So this, again, is something that we have advocated for a very, very, very long time. And again, to go back to the, the annual budget, for those of us who I'm very grateful at the moment, I've been, you know, I am in employment at the moment. I have been a recipient of social welfare more than once over the last 30 or 40 so years. So a lot of people with regard to the yeah. pandemic even and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, you know, for people who maybe, you know, never, never experienced what it was like to live on social welfare. have That's had, right. You know, I've had to sort of, you know, live that. Um, I was on the PUP myself. I was walk- I walked all my life. Uh, but yeah. thank God I'm back in employment now. But I, yeah, I was one of those. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's an awful shock to the system. And again, the PUP was 350, which it was much more generous than the 208. That's right. And that's a massive shock to the system. It's a huge adjustment. And... So, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's, and this is what people are having to live with day by day by day. So I think sometimes when you've actually been in that, you know, when, yeah. when, when you've had to do it, I think you're, you're kind of, the, the way you look at social welfare, I think, you know, does change. It's designed to look after us during those periods when we're unable to look after mm. ourselves. That's the whole point of it. Um, but the refundable tax credits piece, it goes back to uh, that those in, in low paid employment don't actually benefit from using all of their tax mm. credits. So again, every time that they increase the tax credits in the budget, 
those on low pay really don't see an actual increase in their take-home pay. So it's those on higher incomes that benefit every time they move the tax credits up. So what you'd be looking for is, again, low-income workers, either full-time or part-time, if they don't use their full allocation of their tax credit, they don't actually benefit from any income tax reductions in an annual budget, Mm. that they would be refunded. So according to our research, you're looking at about 113,000 low-income individuals. That's a huge amount of people who might benefit from anywhere between 15 and 20 euro a week, which again is a lot of money. It sure is. Um, And of course, I covered it uh, this week on on this radio station here. Over 650,000 people in Ireland living in poverty, 210,000 of those are children. I mean, it is a huge problem, a hidden problem, a problem that's not spoken about that often. In a wealthy country, you know, this is this is the thing that gets me. Like, you know, we are a wealthy country, so it's about the redistributional aspect of of the wealth that we have generated, mm. and looking and seeing, you know, who's who's struggling, why are they struggling? I believe myself that that you know there are many barriers to employment, and I don't think an overly generous social welfare rate is one of them. So, you know, that conversation about, well, if you bring the social welfare rate up to a certain point, people won't work. I, I don't, that's, that's not, that's not the reality of it. Like, you know, we both know that, yeah, you know, that, that is not what actually happens. I couldn't wait know. to get back to work. I, 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 I just couldn't wait to get back to work. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, you know, it, it, it's too, like, it's funny because, you know, what you are is, is who you are. Like the first thing, if you meet somebody for the first time, the first thing they ask you is, what do you do? And that equates to who you are. So if you say, well, actually, I don't do anything, does that mean that I am and anything? You know, yeah. so, you know, our, our, yeah. how we spend our time and how we fill our days is, is of huge importance to us. And again, and so you yeah. you know, we're huge advocates of recognising that all work doesn't necessarily have to be paid work. That's right. But that's, you know, for many people in you know, in living with unemployment. I mean, there are there are plenty of barriers to getting out there. Um, and I think, you know, we, we need to be looking as well yeah. at, at those. But I mean, you know, 660,000 people living in poverty. Like I'd read recently, it was a piece done on housing. And in the, it was back to 1919, when they had looked at, because you mentioned housing at the, you yeah. know, that, um, back in 1919, they had done an they had done like an assessment of, yes. of the sort of social housing allocations that were needed, and I think it's only about two or three hundred out from the current social housing allocation that's needed. Right. So you know, sixty odd thousand people on a in need of social housing. So in the space of a hundred years, it's we haven't made any progress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pretty depressing, <laughs> pretty grim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't because there's times when I think to it, you know, when you look at that figure, 661,000, and again, 210,000 children in, in living in poverty, it does actually make me weep for, you know, yeah. grab the Kleenex and have a little bit of a cry because you're kind of going, well, you know, we, we can definitely do better than we this. Can. We can absolutely mm. do better than this. And finally, uh, Suzanne, supporting people in low paid jobs also very important because, as we know, yeah. people. Uh, who are poorly paid are also in poverty. They may be going out to work every day, but they're struggling. Very much so. Very, very much so. And again, even arguments around sort of you know minimum wage and living wage. You know, you also need to be sort of guaranteed the hours. You know, yeah. so there's there's plenty of people we know. Um, you know, on on kind of very unstable contracts. If they have a contract, there's an awful lot of people 
on temporary contracts there's an awful lot of people on those sort of look you know if I have a bit of work for you at the weekend come in yeah you know if I don't you don't those kind of things so again it's it's really looking at making the tax credits refundable it's looking at the living wage it's looking at the minimum wage and again it's looking at you know those again those kind of precarious employment practices mm. um you know really looking at those and and again you know they there's a cost to those as well so the government is sort of is sort of filling the gap. So again, that conversation about if you increase the minimum wage or if you increase the living wage, it's going to affect employers. But surely, if an employer can't afford to pay somebody, you know, if yeah. they can only afford to pay somebody yeah. below poverty wages, there's big questions there to be asked. And again, it would be the social welfare system that would make up the difference that is subsidising that poor pay yeah. and is subsidising those low-pay jobs. So. They're coming with a package on, on Thursday or Friday, I hear, so we'll have to wait and see what they're going to do. But for the moment, uh, Suzanne, uh, we might have you on uh, after that package is announced by Michal Martin Absolutely. and the government. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what to do. Thanks for your time today, and uh, uh, we'll see what, what happens. That's brilliant. Thanks, Seamus.